Welcome, my friends, to the podcast that never ends, where we gather our clan and talk about peace and love in our lives, the difficulties along the journey, and how we rise up. We will experience a little thing I call cluberty together, find our sweet spot, and planting our seeds to watch them grow in our magic garden. I'm Uncle Dave, and our transformation starts right here. How are you doing? Welcome to another episode of Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Today's guest is going to be Carol Knack. Now, I'm going to tell you, Carol Knack is one of the people that I truly love in this world. She's an amazing person. She's 85. She's an inspirational person. Wait till you hear some of her stories, as well as currently still being a therapist as, and taking on clients. She's worked with about 10 clients a week. And does amazing things on the side of that. She just took on the responsibility of being a new mommy in terms of that she has adopted a new dog, Schnooky. And we're going to hear about Schnooky. And we're going to hear about... Schnooksy. Oh, Schnooksy. She has a lot of perceptual vision. That's why she sees. Gotcha. So here, Carol. So welcome, Carol. So tell tell me how I messed up Schnucksy's uh, name and and, and, and and talk about yourself. Well, COVID brought on a lot of pain for lots of lots of people in many many ways, and I decided, which is a pattern of my life, to cope with COVID. And COVID turns out to be the best year of my life because I have learned so much and evolved eons of times of years because of COVID. And I decided to fill in my bucket list of having a Labrador doodle dog because it's peppy and loving and very, very loving. And, and it's an amazing dog. And she's so smart. She's a poodle and a, and a, a Labrador. So she's always full of pep and radiant just the way I am. So she's a mirror of who I am. And she loves learning. And the reason her name is Schnooksy is that from the beginning, she had this peripheral vision of always being able to see. And I decided that I would train her with havening and EMDR because I wanted a dog that's going to be helping humanity as well as I. So that's what motivated me in COVID. And I hated the idea of not seeing anyone and experiencing this enormous pain of aloneness and loneliness, which I despise. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get a dog. And that has really superimposed any negative feelings I've had at all. So now my life is full of happiness. Happiness is a skill. And every day I start my day with a sense of gratitude. And how do I start my day? I start my day by greeting the morning and saying hello to Schnooksy, feeling grateful about my family and my friends and acquaintances. And I start with a hundred kicks because this is what I have in my blogs, uh, starting with a hundred kicks, 15 minutes of breathing, and havening in order to reach my centered self and feeling powerful. 
So that's how I start my day. Yeah, so, Carol, uh, getting up in the morning, I mean, doing 100 kicks, I, I got to say the whole day would be uh, a goal of mine. Uh, to start the, your day that way is amazing. And I know how much your family and how much grounding and centering yourself uh, means so much to you because your, your family means so much. I know all your grandchildren call you Mimi, and uh, their Mimi, I mean, it, it is is a superhero, right? You, you, you know, we've talked about it. I mean, you, you've gone... With recently, within the past five years, you've gone on jet skis, and uh, you know it's been amazing. All the things you do, you travel, uh, Massachusetts and Arizona. Yep, as well as Boston, right? Your daughter lives up in Boston, and and your son and and his family lives in Arizona. So you're traveling all the time. You're you're seeing them, and you're involving yourself uh, with your family, which is amazing. it, it really is. I'm a commuter between New York, Massachusetts, and Arizona for years. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad that you, you're surrounded by love. I, I remember seeing everybody at your 80th birthday and celebrating Carol, and it, it really is uh, truly a loving situation. Now, uh, so obviously you already started off without me even asking you about the peace and love uh, you definitely bring peace and love as as far as I've known you, and that's one of the magical things that you do. And you're always grateful for the, those connections. Now, there's different parts of, of your life. I mean, you're, you've had a, a, a long journey, and that journey started in Europe. You were, you were born in Europe, right? Yes. I was born in Antwerp, Belgium, which is the western part of Europe, across from France and England. Yeah, and so when you... That's where the journey started. And you want to know a little bit about how it started in Antwerp? Yeah, we'd, I'd, I know I definitely would love to hear about the beginnings in Antwerp. Well, I'll tell you, it's a really wonderful story. My grandfather, we call him Bonpapa, which is B-O-N-P-A-P-A, which means in French, grandfather. Uh, and he is uh, a very orthodox Jew, he looks like Moses with the long beard and the Afghan, and he was an Orthodox Jew that brought the Jews from the pogroms in Poland and established a community in Antwerp. And he started the diamond business in Antwerp, connecting South Africa, Paris, London, New York, and Antwerp, and had the biggest diamond business and was respected with a handshake. Everybody knew that if he shook your hand, it's a done deal and everybody could be trusted. And he was known in New York and trusted just with a handshake. And I remember him as such a grand person. Um, So the war broke out in 1939. And in 1941, the Nazis came down in front of our house and we had to escape. We escaped in uh, in a taxi. Uh, it was the last taxi out of Antwerp, and we almost ended up in a, in a camp where most of the Jews in Antwerp ended up in the camp. And we were stuck on the railroad tracks because all the roads were closed already. And then on the side of the road, there were a bunch of soldiers, and the screaming was going on because this was the end. The Nazis are coming up the hill, or maybe they're not. 
and uh, I remembered that part. That was trauma for me. And uh, it turned out, obviously, that it was allies that pushed the taxi into the railroad station. And we got on the last train leaving uh, leaving Antwerp. And we ended up at the Ostend, which is a seashore that would take us by boat to France. However, in France, the Nazis were coming and taking over. Every 24 hours, the Nazis took over the area where we were staying or being. And so we were in France, went through France. A lot of people were hiding in, 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 in mountains or wherever they could hide, in basements or wherever they could find a place. And so we ended up in the southern part of France, and we were waiting for Spain to lift their bridge so that they could allow Jews to go into Spain. But that wasn't a safe place either. And so we finally, we got to Spain and 24 hours later, the Nazis overtook that area and it was pouring. My mother had said, pouring, pouring. And we got out uh, in Spain and then had to go to Portugal. And in Portugal, we ended up taking a boat, one of those boats, which everybody was panicking because we were going to Brazil, South America to escape. But the waters were full of torpedoes, so everybody was in terror. So that was considered a lot of fear for me uh, that I absorbed and my sister absorbed all this terror in this journey. I don't know how long it took in these little, little boats and people were screaming about how the Nazis are going to torpedo us. And so we were surrounded with enormous fear and panic, which I held in my body. And so we ended up in Brazil. And in Brazil, we, uh, and and this happened because we were able to bribe all the way. My, my grandfather was the leader of the whole extended group of Jews, that Orthodox Jews, the community that he had established, all traveled together. And those people, everybody bribed their way, and many of them went directly to New York, and many of them went to, to Cuba. And we went to Brazil, Rio de Janeiro. And um, that's where my suicidal ideation came. And only uh, in the recent years did I realize that I was not, uh, it was not a psychotic feeling of being suicidal because that was my response to reality it was pretty horrible reality that I had to experience at four and a half years old. And that, so, that was what I wanted to ask you is how old were you at, at that point? Because uh, I know you've shared this story with me. We've had over meals. I, I know at that point your, your dad wasn't with you. You, 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 had, you had to leave your dad behind. Yes, and that was pretty traumatic also because will, will he be alive or will he be dead is what I had to experience. And my sister was extremely ill on the boat. Uh, and that's a very sad story. My sister's story is extremely sad because she absorbed the terror even at a deeper primal level, which she never uh, got relief from. Yeah, well, I can imagine because you, you were the old the old child, right? You were the, the oldest. I'm the middle. My oh, the brother middle. is the oldest. Okay. And how, how'd your brother? So, so but you're, He's you're, still alive. He's 89 and right now struggling with cancer. 
But well, you guys have been holding. He has. Up. He chose not to go the therapy route, <laughs> so he's suffering now with cancer. Well, well, it's, so, well it's it's interesting that you know I know you had said that at one point during this trip, uh, your mom had told you to be quiet, and you know, and that was one of those things that held back your voice uh, in in future years as you got older. And well, I was extremely shy. I was terrified of people literally terrified and i had a lot of panic attacks and severe anxiety high anxiety i don't know how i made it through life yeah so you've been really from a young age you've had you've held on to this trauma and i know you had mentioned and this is how you and i met together is through havening it was one of the many ways that you've been able to release some of your the, the trauma that you had been holding on to that you didn't know you were holding on to, right? Uh, as a four-year-old, we don't make decisions, but it's how our brains are, are trained. So how- to survive, our brains are really trained to survive and we do anything to survive. So I was on this yo-yo of uh, my survival yo-yo was give me liberty or give me death. I decided at five years old that when we arrived in America, New York, I was five, and I had said, give me liberty or give me death, and that was my journey for life. And uh, I followed that journey forever. Every time I, I, I came across something difficult, I would want to end my life. So you were part of that visit in 2018 where the pain in my body from arthritis was so severe, I really wanted to end my life. So you were going to do my eulogy. I remember that. I was very touched. I, I, I do close. remember you you asking me, and I was like, you know, I, I and and we were able to work with your family and help you get through that period. And look at you. You've now, you know, been reborn. Uh, you know, since since that time, not only mentally, but physically, you know, you, you're you've done a lot of healing methods that have brought you back to a, a stronger body. And definitely stronger. I remember talking to your daughter Julie about about it, and uh, and being at that party. I mean, I, I was honored to be invited to your 80th birthday party in your apartment. We you were surrounded by so many amazing people. So it's one yeah. of those one of those things well, that if you can go through those. And so of- I am now happy to say that I'm really in perfect health at 85. I'm healthier mentally and physically than I've ever been before, which is to me an amazing accomplishment that I've worked so hard on, on being a person. So it started, I I think it would be interesting to know what saved my life. At 12 years old, I was desperate already and I didn't know how to function or survive. And I said, you know, I can't go on. I would go every day and I say, I can't go on. I can't go on. So I used to love listening to the opera La Forza del Destino, I would listen to Faust, Il Trovatore, La Traviata, Carmen, and I read this amazing book called Joan of Arc. She saved my life. I said, I'm going to be like Joan of Arc. I'm going to hold that and fight against everything that's in me that doesn't want to live. And I was going to hold that torch that she she did when she brought all the French people uh in the war mm-hmm. that she uh, was leading. And I decided I'm going to be a leader, just like Joan of Arc. And I need to uh, follow that path, no matter how it takes me. 
And that's what I did. I didn't know what I needed to do, but I needed to do something. And I needed to do similar to Joan of Arc. So she is the one, she was my heroine that I followed. And then uh, came uh, my desperation increased with every year. And I went to college, made it at the top college, Brandeis, finished there. I don't know how, but I did. Always being pursued by that uh, suicidal ideation that I can't go on. So that was always like a, a river that floated all the well, time. That, that's that's, yeah. that's popular, uh, not popular, but it, but it, it happens often with people who've either experienced or families experienced uh, or people who experience trauma at, at certain ages of their, of their life, especially such a young age, you definitely had to learn to adjust. And all this was being filtered through your young mind as you were taken away from your father. Now, did you ever meet? Did you ever reconnect? My father came to New York and, and we lived together when I was, I think, six. Okay. So, but for. He made it. He made it. He was able to bribe his way into getting visas. If you came from the East, Hungary, you couldn't get a visa right away. So you had to manipulate and bribe a lot of people in order to do that. Okay. And, and thankfully, he, he was able to do that. And... and he was able to do that. Well, I have very smart parents and a smart grandfather. So in my 20s, I read the book, The Road Less Traveled, with Scott Peck. And... Born to Win, Born to Win with Dr. Giles or Dr. Abel, and then Not by Words Alone with Robert Ackerett, and Never Giving Up and Always Being Unstoppable. Well, I think that's, I, that's, that's you know, again, that's one of those things that I, I really admire you about is that you, um, you do, you are unstoppable. That's one of the things I always say, that, you know, four years ago when, when we travel to San Francisco, uh, San Diego, to do the Milton Erickson, the, the short, uh, the brief story, right? It was the brief brief uh, therapy conference. Evolution of, of uh, psychotherapy. Yep. And At, we did a presentation on Havening together, and it was so incredible when we did that. It was really amazing. And, yeah, yeah, yeah that was I always amazing. had a hunger for learning. Well, that's, that that's is the thing insatiable. That I, yeah, that's the thing that I admire. That you know, no matter what, even now you're still having that hunger for learning, and you keep, you know, we we've all had those moments in our lives, and maybe not where we have suicidal ideations, but we have had those thoughts that I can't do this anymore. You rise yeah. like you you rise. You know, you know, I use the, the the phoenix rise often, so we do go into those those moments and it's in those moments is when we're able to rise and you know you've consistently done that throughout your life through your 85 years you've risen and uh you know we weren't sure a, a couple of years ago that you were able to do it but we kept on pushing you and through the support of your family uh who i know is, is some of your biggest you know fans and some of your biggest reasons to get up that's one of the things that make that make sure that you rise taking the time to do it you also uh allowed yourself to release some of your past traumas because of the healing could you would you share that with us please 
You mean how I, I woke up one day and looked at the pictures of my parents on the windowsill, and suddenly I admired who they are rather than being enraged at what I didn't get from them. I admired what they did give me and said they came from a very uh, uh, high standard with with great need to be perfect in everything they did. And so we also escaped because of their need for perfection and to keep going and to follow the Torah and uh, have high standards of functioning. And they always listened to music and they, they lived an upper-class lifestyle in Manhattan and that was my background. And I hated it because it was too rigid for me. And so I admired what they really gave me. And I, I realized that I chose my parents. I chose this path in order to learn something. And so when I had my car accident, uh, which was in, when I was 26, I couldn't go on anymore. And that was a lesson learned. I had a car accident to carry out my, I can't go on anymore. And I drove at 70 miles an hour and I survived this car accident. And I was furious at God. And I said, oh my God, God didn't let me go into heaven. And I came back to earth. I went through the tunnel of death and said, I really don't want to be on earth anymore. And I came back and I said, I guess I survived because I have a mission to accomplish. Yeah, and I'm still on that mission. Well, and, yeah, that's the amazing part. Uh, you know, some, again, it's somebody else's plan is, is sometimes how we live. I mean, look, I, I tried uh, and I've spoken about it. I've tried my own uh, attempt and I was told by somebody who I have no idea, uh, but it's not my time. So, you know, when it's your time, it's your time. But you've risen through those feelings because you had all this other trauma built in within within yourself through all yeah. the things that have gone through that you've gone through, starting with with the escape out of Belgium, and you know losing your, your father for a, a couple of years. You know that it's got to be scary being a, a four year old child uh, go, running through all these instances, and then also when you come came back here. You know, as a child, we all don't always agree with how our parents go about things. And you've now seen some of the giving, releasing some of your, your anger that you've been holding on for 80, 80 years uh, of your parents just because now you can see the beauty of what their gifts were, what their gifts are. I, I realize all their gifts and what they gave, even though I didn't like the orthodoxy and the rigidity of orthodoxy and the lack of respect for women, which has now changed over the years for sure. And so... In some uh, part of the, in some part of the, the uh, religion, but in, in other parts, it's just as bad as uh, others. You know, because <laughs> right. uh, you know, I've, I have friends who are in the community and uh, in, in the ultra-Orthodox community who women are still not as considered uh, an equal part. But, but, but generally, Judaism... Uh, that's why I'm much more reformed, and I, I my, my rabbi is is a, a woman, and I really enjoy that openness, that freedom, and, and as you know, I'm surrounded by 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 women, and I'm 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 blessed with two girls. So what I'd like to do uh, do so one of the things I, I mean we could talk uh, about a whole bunch of things. So among the things that you 
just learned or unlearned? What are some other things that you've unlearned uh, during your, your path in, in your life? I actually, I, ha- I, I have over the years let go of the rage, the anger, the regrets that I had. If only, if only, if only. And I know we all do that. If only I did this. If only I married this one. If only I had gone here. If only I didn't, wasn't raised by, by orthodoxy. Uh, where would I be? So we all play that if only game. And I think that now I'm playing, I am playing a field of being grateful. So that's the, the biggest change of letting go and being grateful for moving forward constantly. And and um, I have had so many trainings, David. I was looking at how the seeds of my garden of Eden that I've gone through, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, all the things that I have learned. So how did I start out in my despair? I was in psychoanalytic therapy, which was not good enough. It was wonderful. I really appreciated Dr. Ackerich, who really saved my life as well. A lot of people helped me save my life. And so Robert Goulding's and Mary Goulding is where I started learning about redecisions making redecisions in one's life based on one's experience. And then Dr. Ackert, who helped me survive, Dr. A. Bell, who taught me everything about transactional analysis and language, beginning of language, which has evolved into NLP. Uh, and then I worked with the Miriam and Irving Polster and Gestalt Therapy, to complete unfinished business, and that came up all the time, the past, and all the nuances of unfinished business in gestalt therapy. So then I worked with Richard Erskine for five years, and with with uh, with Miriam Polster, the Polsters. I worked in gestalt therapy for yeah, you three inter- years. You introduced me to the Polsters. Uh, well, to to uh, Mr. Polster, he was one of the speakers at the conference we were at. And you That's right. And we had a long talk. We had a, we, we sat down and had a very long talk. I, I didn't know at that point where he rolled in, in the in the system, but uh, he, it was an interesting uh, another. You know, I know he was older than you were at that time, and you know, hearing the both of you speak was just great to be a fly in the wall during that conversation. Wow! Uh, yeah, that's right. And then you you had um, what's uh, his name? Um, Jeffrey Zeig. Right. who invited both of us to present on Havening at the Evolution of Psychotherapy. And Jeffrey Zeig really helped me get through when I had to do a speech in Ger- in Vienna, in Germany, on alcoholism. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't go back there because of my traumas. And he helped me get through it. And I did a presentation in Germany. And that was pretty much of a wow. Uh, so that came from Jeffrey Zeig. And then along came um, Albert Ellis with Rational Emotive Therapy. And along came Rollo May with Existentialism. And along came Richard Erskine and Transactional Analysis. And he combined the two together. And I did further work on limitations. 
And let's see what else. And then I had Dr. Giles and Joe Verlotti in Puerto Rico who thought I was getting my master's at the time in counseling psych. And they thought I was a catch me out with all that I knew. And at that time, I didn't feel very smart. But I've become now finally admitting that I am really smart. Yeah, you, you, you know so many different methods, and that's what makes you special in, in your work, not only as a person, but you've able to redu- reduce a lot of the stress in your life. You've able to reanalyze a lot of the pieces of your life, and you've able to reevaluate the things that were important to you. So things that were important to you when you were younger, you might have still been holding on and, and, and things like that. But now you're at a point in your life where you can release a whole bunch of things. So I've just used a bunch of R's. And you know one of the things I always say is there's an R in your heart. What are your, some of your favorite R words? I was thinking about that, David. And my R words are a lot of them. I couldn't pick one. I'm radiant. Speaking to you now makes me feel very radiant. And I'm always recharging every day with my 100 kicks and everything the way I start my morning. And then uh, what else am I doing every day? Um, I keep on rising over and over and over and over again because there's always we're unlimited. Our potential is unlimited. So as long as we keep on moving forward and dealing with our limitations, we're unstoppable and we could really have terrific lives. We're all open to having unbelievable lives. Yeah, and that's-, that's available for everybody. And I know I could help everybody in that journey of overcoming um, any resistance to progress. And there's so <laughs> many resistances that are so hidden that we don't even know about. Well, that's, so- part, of, that's part of my story. I created the word Kluberty. When I created the word Kluberty, it was about that growing process. And, you know, you've grown along the way, and that's sort of the life's travels. But, you know, you, and you're still growing. So even going through this little process, you, you've now released a whole bunch of, you know, anger. Resistances or limitations. I keep on re- opening up uh, resistances. And now I'm working with Doug O'Brien, my latest guru in my journey of evolution. And this and Doug O'Brien is focusing on developing the skills of neurolinguistic programming and language. And so, as you see, I'm learning how to speak. And I was silent. I didn't talk till I was about 23, I think, when I was in, in therapy. And so now you can't shut me up because I have too much to say. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. I know Doug as well. And uh, I, I've put out a request to if Doug would like to be on the show. And, uh, you know, because we all were part of the, the Havening group uh, that, you know, when, when it all sort of really was taking off at that time, we, did, we, we worked with veterans and things like that. I know you're very passionate about uh, a lot of the charities that you uh, assist and support. <clears throat> And, and, and now I'm hoping to work with the vets with PTSD and the ch- children from Ronald McDonald with Schnooksy because she is such an amazing, amazing dog. She's so loving. And the minute she gets to someone, she wants to say hello and greet them and love them. And so that's my plan within the next year. I, I, that's what I love about you is that at 85, you're still making plans. You're still making opportunity you're still looking for opportunities not only to expand your personal practice 
but also to re-energize people, to have people look at things differently and be a role model. I mean, that's one of the things that why I, I said I would be honored for you to be on the show because you, if anybody could listen to your story, and this is only just a scratch of the surface of the stories of your life, but they should ask yeah. more questions. They should reach out to you because people like you have really deep stories and there's something to be learned. Every time I've sat with you, I've learned something else and it's been a, a huge help. Now uh, we're probably getting. So you know what my, 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 my model for myself is. Uh, and I hope to start a new, I have a website called carolnack.net, which tells you all about all my skills that I have, but now I have NLP and hypnosis that I've really gotten very good at. And so my new website I want is Healing and Transforming with Carol with the Knack, N-A-C-K and K-N-A-C-K, to know how to help anyone overcome any barriers and limitations to success from not feeling good enough to I am enough. I am enough. That is a perfect way to end this episode because Carol, you are enough. And I really hope everybody sees the beauty of Carol Knack and we'll get those links uh, when we publish the, the episode and Carol, thank you so much for your time. We'll, I'm sure we'll have you back on the show. Uh, in fact, let's go plan. We'll plan it again to have another show with Carol Knack and, and to hear all the other things that you're learning and how you're, what else you're planning in, in your future. So thank you so much for your time, and I really appreciate you sharing a little bit of your story and that it's always about resilience. It's always about rising, and yeah, you, you bring a lot of peace and love in your life, but you also bring a bat where you take a stand and you're able to then address the things that need to be done. And I always wish for you to find the sweet spot as you're able to do anything in your life. And that's why I asked And my her. motto, David, I want to thank you. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you, tell us you, your motto. You yeah. stopped. Yeah, no, no. I, I want to let you speak. This is about you. Uh, so tell me your motto. So I want to thank you. And my, my next one, when you invite me again, staying alive and helping people. That's it, baby. That's the goal, right? Always to stay alive and help people. So I yep. thank you, Carol, for your time. I love you. Thank and you, you. You know that. I love you, too. And we'll talk soon. Okay, great. I am really glad that you're enjoying the show, and I hope you follow us on all the podcast hosting sites, as well as Facebook, Peace, Love, and Bring a Bat. Or you can follow me, Uncle Dave, David Chemetsky, at Facebook. Instagram, Clubhouse, and www.davidshemetsky.com. I also would enjoy for you to contact me if you want to just have some feedback. You need somebody to talk to at peacelovebringabat at gmail.com. Well, my friends, today's journey has come to a close. I hope the seeds of peace and love continue to grow for each one of you. Remember the peace and love surround you that will assist you to rise again. And don't forget to bring a bat for what you believe in. Namaste.